chapter 7, verse 1, if you're following along, as we were singing that song, made me think of, uh, for some reason, the transfiguration, because we, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all red letter, all Jesus' instructions to us, and, and the transfiguration, which is later in Matthew, of course, you know, you have Jesus who's transfigured and metamorphosizes to this glowing little bit of who he really is, I think. Elijah and Moses, but then you, after that you get, you get the voice of the Father saying, this is my son, listen to him. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing today is listen to him. This is red letter stuff. So uh, when uh, God speaks, we're supposed to listen. We have the Sermon on the Mount, uh, well known. It, it's structured really well. Uh, we've talked about that when we started. We're not completely sure if it was preached exactly this way or put together. Uh, I kind of lead toward the first one, but what he starts off with, and we hit that with the Beatitudes and, you know, the, a Christian's character, how are we supposed to think and what are our motives and how, what is the influence and righteousness that we're supposed to have. And then you get in chapter 6 where you get the prayer he teaches us and uh, a lot of things we've been, a Christian's religion, the way he follows Yahweh, uh, prayer and ambition, what's supposed to be important. And then chapter 7, and it's been there all along, we kind of get into Christian's relationships and commitments, what is supposed to be the most important thing for us. Uh, so what this little section, just six verses, is looking at is our attitude towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, essentially, this is really how, this is talking about how to behave towards a fellow believer that has misbehaved. Uh, and as a precursor, this is probably up in the top one or two most misquoted verses in the Bible. We quote just the first part of this, verse 1, uh, and not look at it in context, which we'll do today, and then say foolish things and think foolish ways. Uh, let's not do that. Um, there's, there's a line that I've heard, and you're not going to find it in here, but that's what people get from this. You've heard the, you've probably heard this. You can raise your hand or say amen if you're charismatic. I don't care. Um, you're not supposed to judge. You ever heard that? That's baloney, and we're going to see why. I mean, it never says that. In fact, that's stupid if you think about it, isn't it? Did you make judgments coming here? Or you just let the car go? Yeah, it don't, it, that's just silly. It's, it's, I mean, that's just silly. Um, and we'll see how silly that is as we go. So, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So you notice what's not in here is you're not supposed to judge. We just take half of a verse and turn that into that, um, which again, uh, do that for a day. See how that works out for you. I will do your funeral, because that's probably what will happen. <laughs> I hope when you get close to one of those lights and it's red that you make a judgment to hit the brake. But we're not supposed to judge, so you know, it does not work out well. So let's look at this. So a Christian is not to be a repressive judge. That's what this is talking about. 
it's very misunderstood. What does he mean by judge not that you not be judged? He's not talking about court judges, obviously, uh, because, you know, the Bible lifts that up. But relationships, this is talking about, this is where it's, it's implied in chapter 6, but we get this in chapter 7. So is, is he forbidding criticism? We say, well, you're not supposed to criticize, you know, not supposed to judge. Well, let's look at a few examples. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today real quick. We'll get move around in our Bibles a little bit here, too. It's always kind of fun to do that. Um, nothing else you get good at figuring out where stuff is at. But uh, Matthew 23, these are the, the, the words of Jesus. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So it's kind of a judgment, isn't it? What about John 3? Jesus answers Nicodemus, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? There's a criticism. What's wrong with you, dude? That's New World version, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Galatians 1, you know, writing to the, the churches in Galatia, Paul says, But if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let them be accursed. Now, that would be a criticism of teaching. Second Thessalonians, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Another judgment, criticism. So it's all throughout the whole Bible is criticism and judgment. So what is he talking about here? Um, we have that term, it comes from Greg Kokel's standard, never read a Bible verse, and that's what we do with this stuff. So are we to make judgments? Well, yeah, but we're supposed to make wise judgments. And I can show you that very clearly in the Bible. Proverbs 29, if a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne will be established forever. So does that sound like the king's supposed to judge the poor? But how is he supposed to do it? Faithfully. Oh, so it's not whether you judge, it's how you judge. That's what this whole passage is about. And look at Proverbs 31.9. It's almost like Jesus knew this stuff. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So how are we supposed to judge? Well, what do you know? We're supposed to judge the way Jesus tells us to judge in chapter 7 of John. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In fact, that seems like that's almost a commandment to judge, isn't it? Oh, but I thought we're not supposed to judge. So either chapter 7 of Matthew doesn't mean that, or Jesus is lying here in chapter 7 of John. Which one do you think it is? I think it doesn't mean what we think it means. So... You even get this with Lydia. She says, you know, she was baptized in her household, and she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed. It's the idea, if, if I really look like I'm following, judge me, test me. You know, it's kind of the idea. So what is he forbidding here then? It's repressing other people. It's the idea of, of what are we doing with our assessment of people. It's not simply assessing people with discernment, but judging harshly. Are we doing that? Uh, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Seeking out others' faults. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I mean, none of you do, but I've heard <laughs> people can do this. Setting oneself in authority over someone presumptuously. And we do do this, I think. It's easy to judge people, especially on television, right? In fact, they have a whole show where they judge people. They actually have judges. One of them is like Lionel Richie. <laughs> I can't remember. What's the country western guy? He's over here. 
with Ryan and then uh, Perry, right? Katie, is that right, Katy Perry? Idle? Is anybody is this thing on? No, no. Uh, but I mean, that's you're making judgments, and it's not. You have to do that assessments. It's like, why is it okay for them to say that? Well, because that's what they came for. You know, that's what they were doing. Um, but the key also is we can't discern other people's hearts. That is God's job, and that's one of the biggest things. I know we're all probably guilty of this, where you see somebody's actions and you assume you know why they did it. You know, I, you know, I, do we? You know, it happens in uh, once in a blue moon in marriages, uh, or maybe in Mother's, Mother's Day. Um, well, you're just doing that to make me mad. Maybe, but maybe not, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, again, trying to see somebody's motive when you don't know it is kind of hard. So judge not is not a call to ignore other people's faults. It's a call to be gracious. This is really the key. And we see that in verse 2, in, in this, I don't try to be a Greek geek too often, but verses 1 and 2 is one Greek sentence. Sometimes the verses mess us up, and this is one of the times. The verses are not inspired. We didn't have verses to the 14th century. So people read the Bible for 1,300 years, and even more if you count the Old Covenant, without verses, and somehow we're able to follow Jesus. They're nice. When I say to go to chapter 7, verse 1, it's easier than saying, go and kind of about, you know, about a fifth the way through Matthew and find this. You know, so it, it, they're helpful, but they're not, they're, this should be taken together. It's one sentence. It's saying the same as chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, which I'm going to go back to because it's really easy because it's right behind here. This is right after the, the prayer he gives us. This is what he's talking about. It's about forgiveness and grace. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. That's in the background. You know, he didn't preach, chap you know, we did this, we did this I think, before for Easter. You know, Jesus didn't do, he didn't do six verses on one week and then do the next six verses. I mean, that's what I do. But he kind of preached this all at once. And so they would have just heard this maybe a minute and a half ago. And so this makes a lot more sense to him. It's like, this is telling us your father is giving you grace through me, Jesus says. And that's his judgment on you. You should not be Acting in a hypocritical, judgmental way, you should do the same with others. Give them grace. Same thing here. Let's go now. Let's go back to verse two, and you know, judge not, lest ye be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you have repented, you've received God's grace for salvation, not His eternal judgment. Then you need to act like it and show other people's grace and not pure judgment. Only people who will get per judgment are the ones who don't believe. Don't do that. That comes directly out of hee-haw. You ever, guys know that? You can Google that. You remember hee-haw? Nobody wants to raise their hand, so I want to ask. <laughs> you got a few hee-haw people over here. Um, yeah, it was the, it's like, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do this. Stop doing that. That's the thing. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't know. I keep getting in trouble when I do that. Well, quit doing that. It's kind of, this is what it is. You know, you, you look at what we get, the grace. We've been talking about, you know, the creator of the universe caring about us enough to listen to our prayers and, and saving us. Well, that grace is supposed to permeate our lives, too, and we're supposed to look at somebody and give them grace. This is what this is talking about. 
And if you substitute gracious assessment in here, and we're going to do it, which is what this means, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, that's, that's, that's what this means if you read in context. Do not ungraciously assess people, and you will not be ungraciously assessed. For with the gracious judgment or non-gracious judgment you pronounce, you will be judged with. He's essentially saying if you want judgment, God will give it to you. But if you're getting grace, you should permeate that with other people. Make assessments about their life that helps them, not hurts them. That's all this is. So, so not, you know, taking verse 1a that you're, you know, judge not as a command is just foolish because it's not the whole thing. Don't do that with other things either. You know, I remember the best one I always heard is the out of context is you've got a, a place in Matthew where it says Judas went out and hung himself. And then earlier in Matthew it says go and do likewise. Well, those aren't supposed to be taken together, but you can really get some messed up when you move Scripture around. So this is what this means. It doesn't mean don't make judgments. It means why are you, this is about relationships. And so it is foolish to say, don't ever say that again. If I hear it, I'm going to tell you, no, 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 don't do that. You're not supposed to judge. It's just stupid. And I don't like using that. Well, I do. I really do like using that word, but <laughs> I probably shouldn't use it as much as I do. It's just, it's just very unwise. It's how you judge, how you assess, why you're doing it. So what about the speck and log thing? Well, again, I think in context we can understand this. Speck and log, we often see others' faults before our own, don't we? That was kind of, that's what a hypocrite is, you know, somebody who does something bad in behind closed doors and then goes out and criticizes somebody for doing the same thing. You know, you get this in, in, in Luke 18, you have kind of an idea of what a, it's kind of the Luke 18 parable is kind of the quintessential hypocrite. Uh, he also told this parable to some who were trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's the idea, the humility. We should have at least as strict of standard for ourselves as we have for others. But there's something else going on in here. Where's the speck at here? Is it up your nose? It's in your eye. Because hmm. if, you, if you have a speck, you probably have a speck on you right now. Somewhere. But you can't feel it. Right? What happens if you get a speck in your eye? You can feel that. Well, what's the eye? Well, you know, we can go right back here to chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So this, I think, has to do with someone who is having trouble seeing Jesus clearly. That's the speck, and that can really cause, you know, you think about a speck in your eye, sometimes we go to the doctor for that. 
we aren't seeing clearly. And again, he just said this, you know, just probably 30 seconds later in the sermon. So they're probably getting this more than we do. The idea that why would you want to take that speck out? Because it's causing him not to see clearly. That's, that's what he's talking about. And sometimes, like this Pharisee in the parable, we're so, we can't see clearly because of the log in our eye that we don't see clearly to help the other person, you know? doesn't always work. I realize that. People don't always listen to us. But that's kind of the background. It's a speck in the eye, and we all kind of know what that's like. So he's not to be a hypocrite. A Christian is also, uh, she's not, uh, she's supposed to be a caring sister or a caring brother, caring for people. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but we're always often told to mind our own business, but minding your own business is sometimes against what Christ wants. I've said that sometimes. I think I'm getting better at this, but at one time in my life, I really thought God had given me the gift of apathy. But I didn't care. I mean, you care, you know, you think about it, you care about th- things that matter to you. And sometimes it's hard, you know. I mean, certainly, I'm sure you've had times in your life when you talk to another brother or sister in Christ and you say it and it kind of gets a little rocky for a while. Well, sometimes you have to do that. Matthew 18, it's actually in our bylaws. Um, it's pretty good. It's kind of, and we did this when we did the forgiveness series, but if you're another believer sins against you, go and tell him your fault between you and him alone. That's judging, folks. But it's, what are you doing it for? Well, if, he, if they listen to you, you've gained your fellow believer back. Because if you, don't listen, if you don't do anything, it may always stay a little bit tough. And then it goes on that if they don't listen, you know, call more in and eventually call more people in. But that first one is the one that almost always works because it's Jesus telling us to do this. And that's, why would we do this? Why would you go tell somebody that sinned against you? What, what are you trying to do? Hopefully you're trying to reconcile. And sometimes reconciliation is hard. But think about, what if you're the one that did the sinning? If you did something against someone, you hurt them badly, said something stupid, there's that word again, uh, judged them harshly, treated them poorly, and they come back to you and they say, you know, that really hurt, but I, I forgive you. I, I want to reconcile. Doesn't that make you feel kind of good? Do you feel judged there? I, think, I hope you feel grace. You know, that's what this is all about. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of believer if he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Yeah. God judges those outside, purge the evil person among you. There it is again. Why would you do this? This is from Paul. And you can say, well, I don't like it. It's like, mm, I don't think he really cares whether you like it. Are we supposed to do it? And again, with, with grace, always with grace. John Christotum, I think, very good quote. Correct them, not as a foe, nor as an adversary exacting penalty, but as a physician providing medicine. If you go to someone to help with the speck, what are you doing it for? 
I think it matters in our church what other people think of us to some extent, but it doesn't matter that much. You know, if we, if we have people come here that are really down in their life, uh, addicted, whatever, and they feel welcome to come here, and people outside say, well, look what they're letting in. It's like, uh, we should not care what they think. Should we? I mean, that's the thing. Who are we trying to please? You know, um, you know, Jesus said it best in Luke. He's like, I didn't come, I came to call sinners to repentance. I came, you know, a, a healthy person doesn't need a physician. But he says, you know, he comes on earth saying, you're all sick spiritually, and I came to fix that. So that's what we're trying, that's what's implied here. I think that eye is the light of the soul and the light, seeing the light, but that speck in that person's eye, I really think that's what chapter 7 is talking about. It's, it's us as disciples of Jesus going to people that we care about and saying, I see your life in ways not honoring God. How can I help? That's what we need. That's what we need. Because oh, wouldn't you want somebody to do that for you? I mean, it hurts sometimes, you know. I've had that happen. You said this, but that really hurt. And I'm like, Ew. And it is a problem with pastors. We say a lot of things. Sometimes they're actually pertinent. <laughs> but sometimes you, mess, you miss, miss the words. And we can all do that. But, but think about that. If you have somebody in your life that's wronged you, go tell them. Not to say, hey, you know, I'm better than you because you made me mad. I mean, no, go and try to reconcile. That's what it's all about, right? Where are the treasures? Remember what the treasures were from last week or the week before? The treasures in heaven are those relationships, and now he's giving us a way to keep those relationships strong. And this is hard. It's much easier to just, oh, well, I just won't associate with that person anymore. It's harder to actually try to reconcile. Sound like a psychological counselor, but, you know, relationships are hard. <laughs> you know? Well, we know that. They are. But they're the most important thing in the world. So why are we? This is about attitude, not so much about action all the time. So what are good barometers to help us discern when we are judging rightly or wrongly? Because we're going to judge. It's just, are you doing this in a good way or a bad way? What's your motive? That's number one. Is your motive concern and love or gossip and revenge? That's, yeah. yeah. Are you going to ask what's going on in their life so you can tell the next person you have lunch with? You know, the gift of apathy has helped me some in my ministry because you do, and I'm sure you guys all have this, and you know, doctors and nurses, and you get people tell you a lot of things. Heck, hairdressers get that a lot. Um, but you get things told you in confidence, and you, it'd be really easy to gossip that stuff. But, you know, that's, it's kind of a vow you take. It's like, a, you know, if somebody comes into my office and says something to me, they need to know that nobody else is ever going to hear me. You know, it, it, why, why come in? You know, that's, you have to have that. And do the same for you. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a shingle out. Some people will come to you anyway. But is it, is your motive concern for the person? Well, then, if that's your main thing, and, and that love for them. You know, why did Jesus, you know, you read Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You know, you go half across the world to find a disciple of yours and turn him more than a son of hell that you are. That sounds just mean. Why is he saying this stuff? I think it's out of love. 
We know later in Acts 4 and 5 that some of these guys came to the faith. I always wonder if Nicodemus was standing there when he did that. I don't know. But he does it because he cares. Now, I realize we're not Jesus. Um, and I won't do a lot of that because I don't think, you know, Jesus got angry and handled it really well. I've noticed that sometimes I'm not quite as good with that, with anger. We have to be careful. So what is your mot- what's your attitude? Is it condescending and prideful or is it humble and respectful? Is it that idea that we have in Matthew that we just read, you know, that if you forgive, if God, the Father has forgiven you, you should forgive others, you know. If you go to Matthew later, later in 18, it has that parable of the, of the man who was forgiven millions of dollars by a gracious person who he owed that to. And then he goes out and this guy owes him 10 bucks and he has him thrown in jail. That's what it looks like if our attitude is bad. You know, kind of like I talked with the kids. It's hard to do sometimes and this is where I think it's good to even write this down or however you do your praying. I mean, it's a whole different world when you, like that holy, holy, holy song we just sang. If you really think about who you're talking to when you pray, that's humbling really fast. It's almost to the point, I, may, I don't think I'm going to say anything. But you do. It's really, really humbling when we know that. It's also really when we do this assessment, gracious assessment of other people's lives that we're in contact with to re- remember that you're not getting judged and you're getting grace. That'll change your attitude, I think. That it won't be condescending or private, but, but will be humble and respectful. So I hope that helps you. I, you know, I say those things so you remember them. Um, maybe it's not completely stupid to say you're not supposed to judge, but it's darn close. It's just, again, this, not, this is teaching. This is not. Because again, eventually, what are you supposed to do with the speck? You're supposed to get it out of there, which is judging. I mean, he's telling you to, it's, it's, it's really what it comes down to. This is what Jesus is doing. He's looking at you and saying, this is how you're not supposed to judge. And then we run with that. How does that help you? Walking around and telling baby, hey, this is how you're not supposed to judge. That's not helpful. Don't you want to hang around and see what, it, what that means? You know, and then he does this back and eye thing and not do it the way pagans do it. So hopefully that helps. Yes, you're going to judge people. Change the word if you want. Assess. I don't care. But I'm not the one that wrote this stuff. Or said this stuff. Jesus is the one that used judge. When you judge, you know, go back to John 7, judge righteously. Judge with right motives. Which I think is the translation that NLT has, which is really good. So that's the main part. Of the, but we do have this little uh, portion about dogs and pigs, which is always fun. I always like the animal verses. Um, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Let's say trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, in the background, and it's not in your outline, but dogs was a metaphor for Gentiles, um, which is non-Jews. And you all know that pigs were kind of a no-no in the kosher diet. Um, so that's kind of in the background, too. These would have been words that were much more pointed to them than maybe us. But, but they're biting words. I mean, Jesus does that sometimes. He, he calls the Pharisees brood of vipers. That's also in Matthew 23. He, he calls Herod that fox, which is not a, uh, a compliment. You know, 
we're to take the speck out of people's eye, but not everybody appreciates this. I mean, we're supposed to get our kids immunized, but they don't always, you know, give the doctor a high five during it, right? But it's still useful, right? This is kind of the end. You know, so Proverbs 9, so don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise, and they will love you. And what's correction? What do you have to do to correct somebody? Starts with a J. <laughs> yeah, you've got to make a judgment, guys. Uh, that's the way it goes. So the picture is clear. We're not to give holy food to unclean dogs or give a pearl to a pig. Neither would know what to do with it, you know. Well, it's obviously a metaphor, right? Could be alluding to the gospel here because you get to Matthew 13 and he, remember the pearl of great price? Maybe. Maybe it's the gospel. I think maybe that's really what it is, you know. Is Jesus saying that we're not to proclaim the gospel of his grace to unbelievers? No, that wouldn't make any sense because he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. So that, that, he's not saying that. So this statement would only apply to those who have heard the good news but have decisively and defiantly rejected it. One of the biggest oxymorons I ever remember, and that was when I was in a Presbyterian church, we went to Keokuk, Iowa, way down there by the Mississippi. Uh, and you get there, and they have a list of members. And there's inactive members. Isn't kind of like a, isn't that like dry water? I mean, you know, I just thought that was odd. And they wanted me to contact all these inactive members. And I remember, that I know, again, I also have the gift of sarcasm, unfortunately. But uh, I said, well, don't they know where the church is? Did, we, did you guys move recently? And you can send, like, a postcard and tell them. I mean, it was just the, and I think this is kind of in the background here. You know, we, we contacted them, and I don't think it did any good. I, I kind of said, well, why don't we try to find people who don't know much about us, maybe don't know Jesus yet, <laughs> or haven't rejected him already. And I think that's the thing he's kind of talking about here. Where are we going to spend our time? In Matthew 10, if anyone will not receive you, he's talking to the 12 there, or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. There's a time to move on. You know, I suppose it's Mother's Day. You're probably getting together with people. And, and I don't know, I'm in, in almost every family extended, there's people, if you're a believer, that aren't believers. And you kind of always think, say, which they believe. But, uh, I've tried. Maybe I'll try this tact, you know. And, and, but sometimes maybe I think what Jesus is saying here is, this, you know, there's times maybe it's just time to move on to somebody who wants to listen. Uh, so shake the duft off your feet is, is essentially... You, you won't even take the soil from that town with you. You know, it's an Old Testament idea. And, and you see this used. You say, they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. So they said, you guys aren't listening. That's Paul and Barnabas. And then you have Paul. They opposed and reviled him. He shook out his garments. He's in the synagogue. He says, your blood be on your own hands. I am innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. The Jews just weren't listening to him. So... He shook the dust off his feet. He, that's the idea. There are times to do that, uh, to, to put our, and this isn't just about uh, the gospel, but I think it's mainly about the gospel, especially with the pearl there. So if people have ample opportunity to hear the gospel and do not respond to it, if they stubbornly refuse to turn or turn their backs on Christ, um, 
might be time to spend your time elsewhere. But you always want to be ready. I mean, if that person says, you know, tell me a little bit more about why you worship every week. Well, then you always got to be ready. Don't turn it completely off. You know, 1 Peter 3.15, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. This is a command. Always be ready. Whether you have, feel like you have the gift of evangelism or not, always be ready. I think most of us are gardeners, not harvesters. Right? You can always put a stone in somebody's shoe. Or maybe take a speck out of somebody's eye. As it says here. You know, you don't have to get everybody to the foot of the cross in every conversation. But be ready. I mean, if you go to lunch today and somebody comes up to you and says, why do you follow Jesus? Are you ready? What would you say? You know, well, think about that. What would I say? He might say a little bit different depending on who asked you, right? You might start with a question. Why do you ask? <laughs> you know, that's always good, especially if you're trying to figure out what to say. Keep asking questions till you get it in your mind, then go. But always be, this is something we all can do. We can all be ready. I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope you all take showers. Or at least baths. You know, most, a lot of good thoughts come in a shower. You got, you know, might as well think of something, you know. Just think about what could I say to that coworker, that classmate, that neighbor, that friend, that family member, if they asked me about my faith. What, what would I say? How would I say it? You know, and if you're having trouble, you know, after you're dried off and clothed, then you can talk to somebody else about it. But that, I think that's good. It, it just be, this is wisdom stuff. You know, and it goes back to the speck, you know. Don't be trying to take the speck out of people's eyes if they're really not wanting to listen to you anyway. You know, there's a lot of specks out there, folks. There's a lot of people that are hurting. They don't know Jesus. They don't even know, a lot of them don't even know they're hurting. They think Jesus is kind of a killjoy. You know, I can't do anything now. I can't smoke or chew or go with girls or do or anything like that. You know, it's just like, no. I've said that before, I'll say it again. If you're following Jesus and it's all boring and you're not having any fun, I don't think you're doing it right. I think, I think, I think you're doing it wrong. I think you're missing something. So in context, you know, I believe he's primarily talking about our relationships with people and our responsibility toward others as disciples. And that, that puts these, but why does he tack this on at the end of this speck and log thing? Well, I think if we judge someone with a God-honoring motive, with their best interest in mind and not ours in a biblical way, and we're rejected repeatedly or heatedly, there may be a time to stop trying to give them their, our pearl of concern. <laughs> and just move on. You know, there's, I don't know if you knew it, but there's other people that might need your pearl of concern. So use some wisdom. So ultimately, this all comes down, we talked about what's our attitude, what's our motive. It should be it should be the thing that dictates the way we judge other people, whether we're trying to injure them or help them. You know, we're not supposed to take a scalpel and gouge it into their eye. In fact, I've heard if you just kind of take your eye like this, you know, like, see, it comes right out. See it? Yeah, there isn't one there, but anyway. You know, we're we want to try to be humble and honor God, and that's what we get in James 4, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if you don't, you're having trouble with humility, just think about God for a while. Doesn't take long. 
So we're going to end with this. It's kind of a Christ hymn, and it's got, it's interesting, it's Philippians. We all know this one, but it's a neat, neat, uh, we think maybe this was a, something that they used in the church of Philippi that started to get used everywhere, kind of a liturgy as they call it. And it's just so cool because it shows what attitude we're supposed to have. And then it gives us who had the attitude, and it kind of comes back to the children's sermon at the end of who we really are worshiping and who we're getting this instruction from. So we'll end with this and then pray. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's pray. Father, we pray for each person here that we do have the right attitude, uh, the right motive in everything that we do. May our motive be to honor you, to always put you first in what we do, to look to you for guidance and direction, to have the fortitude to judge others graciously because we really care about that speck that's in their eye. As we go from this place, remember, as we gaze upon you in our prayers and our study and our worship, that we become more humble. It helps us act the way you want us to. But thank you for giving us what we need always. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.